0: Welcome to Clinical Lab Chat, part of the MedCore Podcast Network. I'm Chris Wolski, Director of Business Intelligence for CLP, and today I'll be speaking with BD's Dr. Jeff Andrews about the implications of BD's recent uh, STI survey uh, for testing access. And we'll be talking about testing access and uh, the need for just better health education in general. Uh, Jeff is uh, Vice President of Medical Affairs for Integrated Uh, Diagnostic Solutions at BD, and he is also a board-certified obstetrician and gynecologist who has provided care in community settings in both metropolitan Toronto and Washington, D.C., He's also provided care in academic settings, such as, as an associate professor at Duke University Medical Center and at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. So, Jeff, welcome to Clinical Lab Chat. I, I think we're going to have a really, hopefully, a very interesting conversation, particularly in light of the the, the BD survey. So, with STI's uh, rates reaching record highs, uh, the CDC, unfortunately, puts the infection rates at one in five Americans, which is just seems really... Really through the roof. Uh, I think BD's survey is super uh, well timed and certainly is shedding light on some of the really important issues surrounding testing and healthcare in general. So, Jeff, there were some really striking stats in the survey, um, and two that really stood out to me were the low rates of gynecological exams for Asian, Black, and Hispanic women. They're all at about uh, 10%. The other thing that struck me is that only 19% of women report that their healthcare providers have discussed the types of tests that are available for their symptoms. Now, what are some of the other striking statistics that came out of the survey that the laboratory uh, audience should know about, and what does that really say about healthcare for women in general?
1: Thanks, Chris, and it's great to be here. I, I just want to explain a bit more um, the the numbers of Asian Black and Hispanic women who have not had a gynecologic exam numbered in the in the realm of ten of percent there was some variation. Whereas in white right. women it was four percent. Um so they were they were women of color were wow. three times less likely to have had a gynecologic exam. That was that was one of the points. Absolutely. Uh, The fact that only 19% said their provider was explaining the tests they were ordering or or getting seems very low. And and as you pointed out, this is an epidemic that keeps increasing, not decreasing. And one of the reasons for it is lack of awareness about the diseases, um, some of the symptoms or the fact that they can be asymptomatic and certainly um, about testing. So there's also an access problem that you'll probably ask me about because I know you're interested in that. I, people,
0: I will be asking that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Even when women are accessing health care, they're not receiving information during the visit. So that's disappointing. And, and we found yeah. that um, the women in the survey uh, reported that 82% thought their provider could have told them more about STIs. 79% thought their provider could have told them more about vaginal infection and 82% also thought they, they could have been better informed about treatment options for both STIs and vaginal infections. Um, of the women who had had a vaginal infection, only 37% thought that their healthcare provider was able to diagnose their symptoms and prescribe the appropriate treatment after one visit. In other words, they were dissatisfied right. with what happened following that visit, maybe had to go back for more
0: visits. Right. Right, and, cert- and certainly that's that's a drain on the in, in, a, in a more general way. Uh, that's a, a drain on the uh, health healthcare system in and of itself. If you have to go back multiple times uh, for for treatments or to address other other issues that have come up. So, as you indicated, and as regular listeners know, uh, healthcare access is something that really really interests me, and, and I think it's a really important thing that that we all need to talk about a lot more and that comes particularly in light for our laboratory audience of another statistic from an earlier survey uh this one from the lancet i think it was last year or the year before i think it was last year that that study came out that 47 percent of people worldwide don't have access to basic medical tests i think some of them including uh some basic gynecological tests as well in, in particular um now, is part of what's fueling the STI epidemic a, a lack of access to these, you know, very crucial and basic tests for STIs? And even more to the point, how are we supposed to address the epidemic without testing? Since testing overwhelmingly is relied on to make healthcare decisions, so it seems like we're, we're kind of in a, a vicious circle here a little bit.
1: Yes, Chris, I think that um, Lancet quote you're giving there is probably uh, from WHO, and yes, access to Healthcare, diagnostics, and therapeutics um, is a factor. There's there's other factors that we've touched on: knowledge, condom use, things like that. You could right. say, "Oh well, we're in the United States. We're not um, we're not in the in the in the whole world." But if we look across um, STI statistics from CDC, we see that um, states like Mississippi and Louisiana have very high rates, matching. of the global rates and so the problem here is really um underserved communities um that that have less access to all types of uh, health care including this one um right don't necessarily have the, the resources
0: right now i know i'm in california uh and uh I, and BD, I, I, I know that uh, they worked with Planned Parenthood up in the Bay Area to uh, get some testing uh, provided to uh, women who may not have access or 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 have the economic uh, ability to to uh, uh, pursue uh, testing or, or, or healthcare in general. Uh, so is that some something as well? I mean, you know, California, you know. You, you think we're we're a big state? We're you know we're you know, always at the forefront of everything. You know Silicon Valley, and we have this huge epidemic going on. Uh, I mean, is that kind of a model? Is is that more of a model of what needs to be done in terms of getting access? Uh, maybe starting from you know particularly those underserved communities and some of the people that uh, you know the statistics that that uh, we were talking about earlier and reaching those women who are in those communities who might not have the access, uh, again, uh, that that uh, other uh, other folks have.
1: You're right, that um, Medicaid clinics within states and uh, county healthcare, as well as Planned Parenthood and federally qualified health clinics do offer these services, uh, but not everyone's aware of that. Or right. they aware that they are uh, someone who may be, a, may be at risk and should be screened, either based on age or other factors. Uh, Another one of the disturbing statistics is the 32% increase in congenital syphilis, babies born as syphilis. Because there should be a 100% screening for that. It means women aren't having the prenatal screening. Um, So in many of these um, STIs that we're talking about, gonorrhea, chlamydia, trichomoniasis, syphilis, even HIV, can be asymptomatic for long periods of time and so that that may be part of the problem too is the lack of recognition uh, for that.
0: Yeah, I mean should I mean this is you know so let's let's talk about testing for a second just in general um I mean should should STI screening and testing do you think in your opinion uh do you think that that should become kind of as basic as checking for A1C or some of the other basic tests that we all we're all getting tested for cholesterol etc that we're all getting tested for from you know the time we're in our 20s or, or, or even younger uh do you think that should become more of a uh go-to sort of test if, if i could use that term or or you know more of a universal testing should we have more universal testing in your opinion uh and make this part of the menu that we're all getting tested for you know men and women are getting tested for
1: I'd like to refer to the current US guidelines that are from the CDC or or uh, the organization for OBGYNs or for primary care or the United States of Task Force Services. They, they recommend testing based on age under 26, um, but not universal testing. And then testing okay. in pregnancy and testing for people who have risk factors. And the risk factors include Unprotected sex with more than one sex partner, uh, drug use, and other sorts of things like right. that. So there's there's definitely large numbers of the U.S. who are who are high risk, but there are also um, people who may not consider themselves to be high risk that uh, also have an STI. As you said, it's one one in five people in the United right. States at a given moment have an STI
0: right okay so let's talk about let's let's get into that then a little bit understanding another thing that struck me from the survey is just a general the general lack of understanding about health in general uh just there was just a couple of statistics that it's obvious that the respondents really just didn't understand certain basic healthcare concepts or or or, um, issues relating to their to their uh, health what we really saw, and to broaden this out just a little bit, and I, th- I think this is important to put it maybe in this context, we really saw that during the pandemic, and, and, and I know I heard a lot of really wrong-headed and wrong ideas about health from my family, friends, and acquaintances, about some really bad ideas. So, and, and really, and I'd say bad. I, I won't even say silly. I would just say bad and uninformed and and ignorant in in that uh, just how stunningly badly uh, we're, we're educated about our, our health how bad is our health education particularly around sexual health uh, you know again as you as a professional how bad is it really and what, what do we do about it particularly in the climate that we're in now I don't want to get in politics too much but how, how do we fix this how do we do this I mean we're having a you know an epidemic, here in california and and as you point out in other parts of the country how do, how do we how do we address this you know how do we uh, improve this and how do we how do we address how do we address it
1: yeah i was a little surprised by this survey but um, we did a, a similar Harris poll a few months ago around hpv caused cancers oh, and yeah. we found out that the knowledge about hpv was much lower than what we see in this survey and again Need for more education, which it, when you work in the field, it's surprising that everyone doesn't know what you know, so there's right, right, <laughs> for, for more education that came out. Now, um, among these women, you know, there were a thousand women over the age of um, 18, a majority, 77%, said they were knowledgeable about vaginal infections. I think because that's fairly common, it's the number one reason right. for keeping GYN or urgent care. So they felt like they knew about that, but they were less knowledgeable about STIs, which is which is not surprising. And so there's different ways that you could receive education, kind of push-pull in a sense, so you could go look yeah. and, take it, and it's fairly easy to find. As you were pointing out when you asked me the question, there's also a lot of misinformation. So and for STIs, I would I would direct people to go to the CDC because they have good um, information for lay people. Uh, but then, what what was disturbing to me about the survey was that even when someone was in with symptoms or asking about vaginitis or STIs, they still weren't receiving information. Or the notion that they would they knew they had a test, but they didn't know why that test or what the test was. So we could do better uh, as a clinical healthcare system and informing people at the moment because that was a teachable moment
0: right i, I mean it's it's interesting uh, uh, you know the switch switch gears a little bit but um uh, away from women's health but you know it's interesting and there was a survey i think that came or a study that came out, i think about mpox and about how that really got got tamped down because of the at-risk um, uh, populations really said understood we have a there's an issue here. They got the word out, and they all, and, and and people who thought you know they either had symptoms or thought they may have been exposed were getting tested, and that really tamped that down. I, I mean, so you have a, a, a and a lot of that came out of experiences with h with HIV back in the 80s and early 90s. So I mean, so you had a, in that case you sh- you see what a really educated uh community looks you know how they react and how they really you know kept, kept those uh addressed, addressed that what could have been a really big big issue a big mess um and again it wasn't perfect how everything was handled but better uh certainly than what we're doing with our current sti um uh, out uh, epidemic and and, of course, it's affecting not only, you know, the mothers and their partners, but also any children that they're having as well, potentially. So, um, I mean, I think that was a really interesting model. How do we replicate that? How do we get that in? Do, I mean, is this is this, uh, does this start with just – this can't just be in the doctor's office. That can't just be in your office. It has to be in other uh, – other areas as well, you know, sex, sex education in schools and and uh, and and beyond. Uh, how do how do we do outreach to to help help with that uh, in in that regard? And again, you know, we're you know, it's, it's you know, the political. Uh, uh, you know, again, I don't want to talk about politics here, but necessarily, but you know, some of it is, you know, there is that overlay of some of the political uh, issues going around as well, that I think is tamping down uh, uh, or, or, or suppressing uh, some of that, edu- that education in a, in a really honest, forthright sort of way.
1: Yeah, um, interesting. BD did join into the, uh, the MPOX fight by, by rapidly developing a, a test for that. I think right. some of the differences there is that there, the people who had that had symptoms and there was visible signs and they were okay. able to share photographs and other images of what it looked like, which we saw in television, in the news, and in social media. Um, right. So there are a couple STIs that uh, that you can see visually, like condyloma um, right. acuminata or venereal warts, but most of the ones that we're talking about, gonorrhea, chlamydia, tichomoniasis, syphilis, HIV, there's nothing to see, and and people aren't sharing sexually related diseases as freely as they might have with mpox So I think okay. that's part of the problem is that people tend to keep quiet about sexually transmitted infection because it's right there in the name. How did I get this? It's not yeah it's not exactly. I a concert and got COVID. That sounds fairly innocent.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that, and that's the problem. It's always been it's been the problem. It's the problem uh, exactly. with HIV back. Forty years ago, you know, there's the social the social stigmas that are attendant with that, and and certainly uh, that is uh, maybe something that might be something we need to, uh, you know, maybe that's something we need to address uh, once we, uh, you know, get the uh, get the um, uh, infections under control a bit. Uh, I th- you know, I think being more forthright and open about uh, these issues, I think, is certainly a way to. Uh, to uh help uh get over it so uh all right so uh, certainly education is a big big thing and, th- and we're not going to solve that today but one thing we can talk about is solutions so let's let's switch gears a little bit let's talk about testing so what are some of the technologies that are making a difference in sti testing that's being provided to healthcare uh, professionals and labs so what are those tests out there? Are there any new ones? Uh, you know, at home testing, new new rapid testing, uh, new uh, tests for uh, different diseases. What, what's out there? That what what can we add to the, the tool the laboratory toolbox here?
1: So, BD has developed molecular tests for gonorrhea and trichomoniasis, which are on um, an instrument that's kind of a mid volume that you could find in a small lab, but it also can be in a large clinical practice. And then we also have that now on a large, high-throughput, fully automated device, the the BD-Core device. Within the office type setting, that that instrument could give results the same day. And then we were also in the forefront of developing molecular testing for vaginitis, which could be bacterial vaginosis, or a candida, also known as e-store trichomoniasis. That test is also on both our max instrument, uh, mid mid-size and our large high-throughput uh, core instrument. So that's where, that's where we've been advancing. We still have our, our decades-old affirm test, which was a point-of-care test for, for vaginitis as well. And then we've continued to develop other uh, rapid molecular point-of-care testing. That's probably the future. Mm-hmm. We can use one swab to, to test for all of these things, and that swab can be self-collected. So as you know, self-collection is getting a lot of attention and kind of boosted by COVID somewhat. So we're very interested in supporting both self-collection and in some areas self-testing. In, in this area, it's because of the sophistication of the test, you need a, you need a lab. Mm-hmm. Okay. All
0: right. Uh, so. I always like to leave uh, our discussions with uh, what the audience can do to be part of the solution. So how can CLP's uh, laboratory and listeners help to improve testing for STIs? I mean, is there anything they could do? Is this a, a you know, a, I don't know. Can they evangelize in some ways? Can they help work with uh, healthcare providers to uh, help them get the word out, uh get instruments uh, like the ones you were talking about out there uh, in their in the labs or in the offices and uh help them reach reach reached women that that need that need it uh the most yeah chris my
1: my own experience with that is quite quite positive and i it's tied to the electronic medical record which the vast majority of clinicians are using now. So the EMR can help us be better clinicians by reminding us to do things and and prompting us. So it's Mm -hmm. it's pretty easy to program it based on age risk factor or another diagnostic code that I put in to ask me if I want to order STI screening. And then that can be can be batched into a code. So my own experience is the lab folks coming by the office to chat with me to raise my awareness to make sure that Mm -hmm. um, I have the right codes to help me um, put in prompts to make sure that I am doing optimal testing for, for my patients. So I think that relationship is very important.
0: Okay, great. Well, with that, unfortunately, we've come to the end of our time. Jeff, Thanks again for taking the time to speak with me. I think we covered a lot of really important uh, issues here and uh, certainly is a critical issue uh, of our time. I also want to thank you, the laboratory audience, for listening. Look for more episodes of Clinical Lab Chat in the future and visit us online at clpmag.com and on all of the major social media platforms. So until then...